Prophet Micah, Chapter 7 Woe is me, for I am as when he had gathered the summer fruits, as the grape gleanings of the vintage. There is no cluster to eat. My soul desired the first ripe fruit. The good man is perished out of the earth, and there is none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net. That they may do evil with both hands earnestly. The prince asketh, and the judge asketh for a reward. The great man, he uttereth his mischievous desire, so they wrap it up. The best of them is a briar. The most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. The day of thy watchman and thy visitation cometh. Now shall be their perplexity. Trust ye not in a friend. Put ye not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoreth the father. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies are the men of his own house. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Please consider becoming a Patreon subscriber. Uh, We are lower on... Uh, Patreon subscribers and supporters uh, than we've been in many years. And so if you're being blessed by this by this work, uh, please consider supporting it by going to scriptureandprophecy.com. There's a support and donate tab at the top. Today, we are resuming our study in the gospel according to Matthew. We're ready for chapter 10 and 11 today. Chapter 10 deals with sending the 12 out to preach the good news of the kingdom. There's also some kind of like a prophetic end time mix in here that we can tell by Jesus' words. And then we have chapter 11 where Jesus receives the question from John the Baptist, are you really the one? Or should we wait for another? Which is kind of a strange question to come from John the Baptist, the one who kind of uh, was, his purpose in life was to kind of set the path for Messiah to come. But he asked the question nonetheless. We'll look into that as well. And that is what is on the agenda for this morning. I pray that you open up your hearts and that these words would pierce it would cause you to draw closer to God. Thank you for tuning in this morning. Let's begin. I'm going to read from the King James Bible this morning. Um, there's just something for me personally. I just feel much more of an anointing from the King James than when I try to use in uh, some of these other versions. So that is what we'll be doing this morning. All right. Let's have a look. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 10, verse 1. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, 
He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip, and Barmethelo. Thomas, Matthew, the publican. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus. Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and not to any city of the Samarian enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely you give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. Into whoever city or town you shall enter, inquire who it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. And when you come into a house, salute it. And when the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words when you depart out of that house or city, shake the dust off your feet. Fairly I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be you therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake, for testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, make no thought how or what you shall speak, for shall be given to you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father, the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee into another, for verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. Please note, all right, let's take a short little stop here. Brother, well, first of all, this is why I read out of Micah chapter 7 to start the broadcast this morning, because Jesus quotes Micah chapter 7. And this is how we know we kind of transition from not just a message to his disciples about what they're going to encounter as they go into these cities to preach the good news of the kingdom. They were specifically to preach that the kingdom is at hand. A lot of people miss that. And... 
the best way I can reconcile it is we have the kingdom has come, but not fully. Obviously, the kingdom has come in some forms. We've watched the gospel spread throughout all the world as it started here with these disciples, with Messiah. And over the last couple thousand years, it's, it's spread all over the earth. There's not a corner of the earth, really, that hasn't heard the name of Jesus. So in that sense, the kingdom has come. But obviously, we all we have to do is take a look at the world. Uh, not fully, right? This, this talk here, and brother shall deliver a brother to death, and father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. I could see this. I could see this develop and happen in our own day. It is not far-fetched for me to imagine children delivering up their parents. Like if a decree went forth that any follower of Christ was to be rounded up. Little bratty kids who aren't getting their way. Teenagers who have an attitude problem because they're not getting... The, I could, the, the world has become so callous and so wicked... They would deliver up their own parents. No question about it. And in another sense, these kind of things have always happened. There's always been dispute within houses, right? Over faith. Anyone who's ever had to live in a household where maybe mom and dad believe, but you have a child who's, who is vehement towards the Lord, you see these kind of battles taking place. Just something interesting to think about. But I... And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth the end shall be saved. That kind of language is very clearly talking about the second coming. Verse 23 again, he says, But when they persecute you in this city, flee into another. For verily I say unto you, You shall not have gone over the cities of Israel until the Son of Man be come. Now... Some may think, I mean, we could interpret that as uh, it's dealing with the second coming. We could interpret it as it's dealing with that coming judgment that came in 70 AD when many of these cities were judged for the rejection of Christ, for rejection of Messiah. Let's continue on, verse 24. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Please note, Beelzebub was like the Philistine deity, uh, but it was also a form of like satanic worship, and it became coined to kind of refer to Satan as Beelzebub. And, of course, Jesus was called Beelzebub, right, by the Pharisees. And Jesus is saying here, if they, they call me that, what do you think they're going to call you? Verse 26, fear them not, therefore. There is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, 
and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that see you speak in the light, and when you hear the ear, when you hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Please note, I feel like the... I feel like, and it's because of our human condition, it really is, that we do the opposite of this, right? We fear for our lives. We fear men who can, who can only kill the body, and we don't, we make the mistake of not properly fearing the one who can destroy the soul, able to destroy both body and soul in hell. That's serious language there. Verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a farling? And not one of them shall fall in the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are numbered. For ye therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before the Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I have come not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at, at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be those of his own household. Again, referring to Micah, the prophet. Jesus is saying, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. What is he getting at? Here's, here's what he's getting at. Following him will not be the normal practice of the world. Therefore, if you take up your cross and you follow Christ unapologetically, you confess him before men, you are going to run again, like we just talked about, you're going to run into problems in your own home. Especially if it's a home that is not believers, and then one of you comes to the saving knowledge by the good graces of God, you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, you're going to have problems getting along with mom and dad all of a sudden. Or you're going to have problems getting along with your husband all of a sudden. Or you're going to have problems getting along with your wife all of a sudden. Or you're going to have problems getting along with your teenage kids all of a sudden. This is what he's getting at. That's why he says this in the next verse. He that loveth father or more, father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he loveth the son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Right? He's saying if you're more concerned about what mom and dad think, or you're more concerned about what your children think, like if, if that's more important to you than faith in Messiah and salvation and eternity with God, then you're not worthy It sounds harsh, but if you take it into context of what he's getting at, which is that 
cut, which is the simple fact that following him, believing in him, comes with a cost. He goes on to make that point. And he that taketh not his cross and follow after me, verse 38, is not worthy of me. And he that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of the righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to a drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall have in no wise lose his reward. Chapter 11 And it came to pass when Jesus made an end of commanding his twelve disciples that he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in prison the work of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. And he said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Let's think about this for a second. Why is John the Baptist asking this question? You know, John the Baptist prepared the way. Jesus says there is not a greater prophet born among women than John the Baptist. Why is he asking this question? Is his faith wavering as he sits in the prison cell, confused about his situation? Sometimes we do great work for the Lord, work that he <laughs> provided for us to do. And then what follows is not great. What follows is sometimes the opposite of what we might expect. There's another thought, and that is this. John the ba I'm reading from a study Bible here. John the Baptist had introduced Christ as the one who would bring a fierce judgment and burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. He was understandably confused by the turn of events he was imprisoned, and Christ was carrying on a ministry of healing, not judgment. In Galilee, far from Jerusalem, the city of the king, and not finding a completely warm reception there, John wondered if he had misunderstood Jesus' agenda. And it would be wrong to interpret this as a wavering of his faith. I honestly think that's a great explanation. Because... <laughs> Remember, John t told the Pharisees who, who told, you know, who warned you to escape the fire, right? Like, John the Baptist was preaching that he was coming in judgment. And that is not what's happening. So, of course, there's some confusion there. <laughs> like, where is it? Hey, uh, hey I thought, uh, 
And this is the issue that the disciples had and many had. I thought you were coming to defeat the Romans and set up this kingdom of Israel. It never came. Here's Jesus' response, though. Jesus' response to John the Baptist is, uh, Actually, I am fulfilling prophecy. Are you the one to come, or should we look for another? Verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again these things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And they departed. And Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What went you out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with a wind? But what went you out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are the king's houses. But what went you out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, Among men that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violence take it, violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied unto John. And if you will receive it, this is Eliza, Elias, or Elijah, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto the children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and we have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and we have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath a devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of their children. Verse 20. Then began he to upbraid the cities where most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Basidia. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee have been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you, you should be more tolerable in the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Please note. One last point, and then we're going to read the last three verses, four, five verses, and be done for this morning. This is one of the reasons I fear for the West. 
and specifically the United States. Jesus is making the point. Jesus is saying, if Sodom had heard and seen the things that you have heard, they would have repented. Therefore, because of this, it'll be better for them in the day of judgment than for you. Talking about Capernaum. The reason I think that the ju- that judgment from God could come upon the United States and be one of the most horrific events in human history, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but I could see it happening, is because what is our excuse? No nation, no people have ever had the access to God's word that we have or the freedom to preach it that we've had, the freedom to teach it that we've had. Even now, and when our country is in such an awful state where we're up against such wickedness and such evil and, and perverse behavior and just downright Satan worship, even now, because of God's grace and mercy that he poured out upon this country, I'm able to preach the gospel to you over this microphone. Now that day could end. Censorship is growing and growing and growing and they're getting more brazen. But for the last 10 years, I've been able to teach the Bible over this podcast and it go forth all over the world. What excuse do we have? And this goes for the whole West. This goes for the UK. (laughs) I mean, the Christianity was brought to the United States from Europe. So what's Europe's excuse? Some of the greatest churches and greatest men of the Reformation and all this was there in Europe. You had access to it all. The first English Bibles were printed in Europe. So when I read things like this, I tremble. Verse 25. And at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, For so it seemed good in thy sight, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and to he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavenly laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That, my friends, is our study in the gospel according to Matthew. For this week, I pray that it's blessed you, that it's pierced your hearts. Strange times we are living in. Two thousand years later, and these words still resonate, still speak to us because the word of God is forever living. Thank you for listening.
Thank you for those of you who pray for the podcast and those of you who support the podcast. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.